Hello, friends, and welcome to the Hourglass Podcast. I'm Christina Dees, and I'm your host. Join me as we explore the lives of entrepreneurs and side hustlers who are doing what they love, living the dream, so to speak. Each episode features an in-depth conversation with a guest about their founding story and how they got to where they are today. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Physician Selected. After my conversation with Dr. Jamelli in episode 36, he and I teamed up to offer clean and consistent high-quality hemp products, whereby consumers can know that they're getting exactly what they need to heal and nothing they don't. We initially collaborated because of our shared vision to do something to help curb the opioid crisis, which led us to research CBD products and discover scientifically proven health benefits that can be treated using hemp products. With this in mind, Physician Selected is growing its product offerings to fit the wide array of conditions that are currently being treated by other methods. Our goal is full transparency with our customers and continually striving for the purest hemp oil. To learn more about CBD or to make a purchase, please visit physicianselected.com. That's P-H-Y-S-I-C-I-A-N-S-E-L-E-C-T-E-D.com. Hey there, podcast listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Hourglass Podcast. Wow, it has been quite some time since I've published some episodes, but not to worry. I've got plenty of goodness in the bank um, ready to pump out and bring to your ears, and hopefully soon uh, to a YouTube channel. Um, but, But my next guest is Rebecca Freedom. She's an accomplished author, a podcast personality, a public speaker, and a coach consultant. Uh, she graduated from Naropa University in 2011 with her master's in counseling psychology, and she founded her private practice in 2012. In 2018, her first book, Breakup Rehab, was published by the New World Library, and she's also been through the shit, you know, like we all have, um, having lost her father to a heart attack when she was 20 and then her mother to cancer when she was 27. So she certainly understands how confusing life can be without guidance and feeling like we need to figure it out on our own in order to be valuable. So that being said, she knows what drives her, and that's making sure her clients know they are not alone and have true-to-life guidance so they can experience freedom. She brings 20 years' experience and a wealth of knowledge in holistic medicine, mind-body, psychology, and foundational success strategies to the coaching relationship. And relationships are exactly what we're going to talk about today in this episode. How do good relationships work? In this episode, we dive into the importance of finding a compatible mate that will go the distance with you, how to resolve conflict, and the skills needed to manage day-to-day life. So for the next 50 minutes, Rebecca will help guide you through relationship dynamics, some conflict resolution, and managing your day-to-day life in order to help you live a life that's best for you. So without further ado, please welcome Rebecca to the podcast. All right. Well, Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. It's been quite some time since I've podcasted. I did it in San Diego for about three years, and um, a lot has happened in this last year. So um, I think that this is going to really, for everybody who's listening, they're going to be able to take away something from our conversation today because it's a broad strokes view of really how to live your best life in a way that makes sense for you. Like that has been such a tagline this year for me is that in a way that makes sense for you. Because what I've had to learn is that people are just gonna do what people wanna do. And um, I can spend a lot of time I have spent a lot of time like trying to correct behavior or fix somebody's perspective and I think this is the first year and it might be because I'm in my 40s that I was all like that's not my journey (laughs) that's your journey to take that's not my journey you're doing what makes sense for you so I'm gonna also exact that right and do what makes sense for me right like my participation level is completely up up to me. So those are some of the things I really want to kind of go over with you today and dive into because Lord knows we are all, I think, trying to figure out what are we doing here? Like what's this life about? And if we feel good about it. Yeah. Well, I'm excited just to talk about relationships in general. I'm super fascinated by them. Uh, I was a speech communication major, 
and um, you know communication is, is exciting to me as well and how we communicate with each other um, but how do good relationships work mm. I, I want to just start with like the contrast yeah. of that because yeah. I just wrote an article are we allowed to swear on your podcast yes. okay <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wrote an article yesterday which said, I'm a fuck up, right? And I had this conversation with my friend who he's middle-aged and he's a single dad and I'm just like watching good-hearted person, bad habits kind of scenario. And from the outside looking in, it's very easy to judge those habits and what was amazing in the conversation as we started talking, what bubbled up for me was like, I'm a fuck up. I was like, I don't have a great financial record. I don't have a good dating life record. I the, I, like my family's sort of scattered. And I was able, like every, there's something in psychology called the wellness wheel, like nine different areas of life that you really need to tend to, to have like a whole and healthy life. And I was like, I'm fucking up all of them, <laughs> every single one. And I think there's something so, so I want that to be the entry point of what healthy is, is that first step of like humility and admission. Like, I don't know. I don't have a playbook. Um, I haven't been given like this great example of a playbook by my parents or any real mentors I've had. I've had to like stitch it together and learn as I go. So I really think to answer your question that the fundamental beginning of being healthy is that phrase is I'm a fuck up. Like these are the areas that I clearly have growth edges. These are the, I, I don't know versus what you see in the coaching community a lot, which is, look how shiny and pretty <laughs> spit shine my right. life so is. Right, so you're saying it starts with self. Yeah. 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 And how you show up? It It's like this synergy because community really, like, healthy, and I wanted, I'll dive into this um, as, like, the founder of the Wilmington Sisterhood, but and I'll talk a little bit more about that in detail in a second, but it's a synergy between your community, the um, ever-present truth of it's who you know, <laughs> and, and the sort of exchanges you have because you need those mirrors in your life, whether um, they be challenging or supportive or whatever. And then, yes, absolutely your ability to self-audit, self-reflect, and make accurate assessments of where you are and who you are is fundamental to it's it's without that foundation you can't build you can't build a residence to live in you can't build an emotional residence to reside in you'll just most of your life will be spent avoiding or disassociating if you can't truly self audit does that make sense yeah 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 for sure well, someone who has been working on self, uh, I can appreciate that. And I will say I have humility as well, and I know that I'm not perfect and I never will be. Mm -hmm. um, we're constantly learning and evolving as humans. And um, it's just a matter of, you know, how we choose to show up and maybe how even we choose our partners. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Sure. But you wanted to just start with relationship dynamics where mm -hmm. do you want to start this mm -hmm. conversation for our listeners how important a compatible relationship is to our lives i we're no stranger to romance right to the um, lure of romance the seduction of meeting the one of these candlelit moments and all of that and and i am i am a sucker for epic moments but what I've learned is those can really disguise compatibility you can have chemistry you can have attraction and attraction 
Imago therapy and um, Harville Hendrix's work have been two really crucial things in help me, helping me understand attraction. Attraction is often based off of the um, fact that we have suppressed parts of ourselves, unexpressed parts of ourselves that our partner is expressing. So if we were not gregarious and outgoing, we'll often pick a gregarious and outgoing partner. If we tend to be really um, cluttered and disorganized, we might pick an organized partner. We, we kind of pick the extension of the thing that we haven't really been able to develop. And, and in that way, that idea of opposites attract is what we're saying is we're trying to come into completeness, a whole um, experience of these things. And we'll be initially pulled to it and then aggrav aggravated by it because why do they get to do that and I don't get to do that? Um, and then you see the, the normal resist and react kind of behaviors come up. So attraction is not a good met metric for getting into relationships. And I'm talking about like compatibility both um, in picking a mate and picking a partner and then also compatibility when it comes to career path, um, the relationships that you'll have there because those are the two things, those are the two areas you're gonna spend most of your time. And if you decide to be a parent, that's another, that's another conversation altogether. <laughs> so you're saying you spend most of your time um, with your mate and your partner and mm -hmm. also on your career path at work and you each have your own individual careers mm -hmm. and then those somehow mesh together or overlap and is there compatibility there like can you handle what your spouse does for or your partner mm -hmm. um, or your mate does mm -hmm. for a living that's oh my gosh like it's i'm i'm working with a couple who's going through separation right now and it's incredible to really be witness to two people in the same relationship reporting completely different experiences, right? One person reporting their job as a source of income and stability, and this is, a, this is pretty common, so I'm, um, it's a broad stroke again. Income and stability and able to support the family. The other person reporting the job as something that takes away attention from them and the relationship. He's never present, he's always busy, he doesn't have time for me. Like two completely different experiences. Right, but they each have their own truth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, both are correct, mm -hmm. no one's wrong. Mm -hmm. And so there is this like, hmm, um, compatibility has for it, for it to be compatible, there has to be both parties involved have to be able to negotiate um, those perspectives. Okay, well, it, it has to be an and instead of an or. Well, I don't feel like I'm getting enough attention and I really appreciate how hard you work. Where's, where's the, the give and take here? Um, well, I understand that I'm paying most of the bills and I really appreciate that you want to spend time with me because that makes me feel like you care about me versus resentments that can come up, which is the, the um, competitive mindset. So, one, so I think that in this moment, I really like to go through some checkpoints if people are able to take notes or they're not listening in their car. Don't be operating heavy machinery. <laughs> yeah. No, we always put in some show notes and... You know, I'm taking notes too. So, uh, uh, if you're driving or you're doing something right now, keep doing what you're doing, yeah. and uh, I got you. But if you are listening and you're able to take notes, now's a good time to grab a pen and paper. This is going to be juicy. Yes. Yes. So, in regards to relationship dynamics, um, they are the brick and mortar of building a life that we feel happy and content in really knowing how to relate to other people and taking the way that we form those relationships into account for our, our self-concept there's this like there's this interplay so um 
you know yourself through experience. You can't know yourself in a bubble by just loving yourself, by there's, there's, there's this um, compartmentalized conversation happening in self-help that I have witnessed for so long of, of the uh, bumper sticker sayings of love yourself and, and um, if he wanted to, he would. <laughs> and with some other ones, people that are interested, do what's convenient, people that are committed, do whatever it takes kind of thing. They're, they are great, they're wonderful sound bites, but that's, that's taking out the dynamics out of the human dynamics because relationships are nuanced and, and have a lot of different, um, I think, outcomes just according to people's perspectives. So with that said, to measure compatibility, to really go, am I compatible? The first question I would have the listener ask themselves is, what is the lifestyle that I feel best in? What is the lifestyle I feel best in? Because it, this is an ecosystem question. Okay, so does that mean lifestyle as in um, what I can afford for myself? Like I like to get my nails done, get my hair done. I like to wear nice clothes. Mm -hmm. I like to shop. I like to have this certain lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, there. It's the. It's sort of the. Um, we'll talk about the Epicurean view and the Stoic view. But the Epicurean view is what brings me pleasure. What is pleasurable for my life? That was really um, the Greeks and Romans both were Epicureans in that way that, that that was the measurement, that was the metric of like, my life feels good. I feel I've got good food, I'm having lots of sex, like I'm, I'm luxuriating in things. Um, I feel at ease with these, with these moments, right? Like they, they're bringing a sense of um, satisfaction my life. So that's one side of the lifestyle is, and you look very nice today, so <laughs> way to, way to. <laughs> yeah. I like to look good. Yes. <laughs> I'm just yeah. I, I mean, so that, that's true. You could go, I like to have my hair done. I like to get facials. Some people, I don't give a shit about getting my nails done. I don't. That's not, that's never been high on my bracket. It's annoying to me to have to get things done over and over again. I don't dye my hair. I earn every bit of silver <laughs> that is in it. And um, my, my joy is travel and really good coffee, like top shelf coffee. If it's swill, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I get mad. And, and um, food that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So... And, and so you can measure, these things don't always have to cost a lot of money. Um, think experiences can come through relationships, but it's important to go, you know, some people might go, I love waking up at 4.30 in the morning, letting the goats out of the farm, feeding the ducks, having the dogs herd the cattle, like I, that's my slice of paradise. Right. So I like to live in a cabin in the mountains with mm -hmm. no one around. Um, there's, there's many documentaries about people just being like, I'm getting out of corporate America and going off the grid. But there's other people that are um, corporate lawyers that thrive in like big apartments and sky rise buildings that have a view of the city. You know, like everybody is going to sort of find that thing that makes their heart pump, just that gives them a lift. So that's the Epicurean part of compatibility and of the question of um, what lifestyle do I want to live in regards to, to anchoring your human dynamics, because it's going to be a North Star in regards to who you let in your life and who you go wrong. You don't get the VIP pass. The second part of the lifestyle is the Stoic sort of stoicism, which was very much about intellect, rationality, um, sequencing things, right? You see uh, counselors and coaches do this a lot, which is goal setting, mode talking about 
what motivates you, these sort of philosophical ideas and psychological ideas of what's my, what do I think of my self-value? What is, um, many of us have a glitch in the system which we, we feel like we're too much or we're not enough or um, we don't have an internal locus of control. We, we look externally for our validation kind of thing. So lifestyle is not only the Epicurean ecosystem, it's the um, innerverse as well. That's what I call it. It's like your, what is your daily thought process about, uh, for me, it's really simple. Like I'll look around my house and sometimes I'll go, it's like the daily chores. If I need to do laundry and the bathtub needs to be scrubbed and my house should be up to par and and if I'm doing that, then I feel like I've accomplished something. And if I'm not doing it, then I'm, am I failing my own metric? Like your own kind of piece. So those are the two um, elements you need to be able to answer the question, what lifestyle do I really want to be living? Because if you're not, you're not going to be happy. <laughs> You're going to be frustrated and in the comparison trap and all of those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So does that make sense why that's like a fundamental part of the human dynamic piece is like really knowing like what's my day-to-day -day life got to look like for right. me? What do I need to be happy? Mm -hmm. yes. what, are, what am I you know, willing to compromise on? What am I willing to give up? What do my are my basic needs? What do I have to have? Like, and you can go on from there from nice house, nice car, mm -hmm. and you know, or all the way down to like, I don't really care mm -hmm. what kind of car I drive, I don't care um, where I live, I don't, you know, mm -hmm. I don't care what kind of job I have. And but that's we're talking about self, yeah. But then you've got to bring a partner into the picture, yeah. Um, partner and community, right? Partner, friends, community, colleagues, I think are the three. So partner, romantic, like mate, um, community, uh, the people that reflect shared values, and then colleagues are just the worker bees that show up in your life. <laughs> um, and then there's the peripheral people, like your barista and the person who's checking you in at Southwest, if you're gonna go for a flight or whatever, you know, like the the people that you you'll only the single serving friends <laughs> in life, as Fight Club would say. So there's such an emphasis on mental health, like health, mental your your framework and how um, how that plays out in your life, as above, so below, as within, so without. Like what you think of your self concept tends to be um, what shows up in your life. So moving from the what's my lifestyle to the second question is what is going to support that lifestyle? Like what are the necessary elements that need to come together <laughs> so that I can have the experiences I want to have? And as I'm <clears throat> putting these sort of questions out again, what are the necessary elements that need to come together so I can have the experiences that I want to have? Um, I'm, I'm really pulling back the curtain on this whole best life concept. <laughs> and I'm, I'm giving people the algebraic formula <laughs> because it, there is a absolute formula that brings you into a place of like contentment, satisfaction, positive self-concept, and there's an absolute swath of behaviors and thoughts that will pull you right out of it and put you into hell, you know, there's, it's, it's one or the other kind of thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, 
I'm just curious as I think about that when I go, what experiences do you want to have? Like what things come up, come to mind for you when you go, you know, day to day, what's my day to day? How do I want my day to day to play out? What experiences do I want to have in my day to day? What comes up for you? Mm, that's a good question. Um, experiences. I mean, travel is the first thing that comes to mind, mm -hmm. but that's not going to be part of my daily experience mm -mm. in the real world. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. That's a hard one that uh, to answer. What are the necessary necessary elements daily? Mm -hmm. Want me to give you some clues? Yeah, please okay. enlighten okay. me here. I know there's no wrong answer. There's no sleep, like having had a good okay. night sleep, okay. where you were able to get into REM state, and I would say minimum of seven hours just for the average human being, you know, without any genetic anomalies. Um, waking, finding a really appropriate circadian rhythm for you. So in traditional Chinese medicine, life force energy visits the different organs throughout the day, and in while you're sleeping, it visits um, the liver and the lungs around 2 to 5 a.m. So liver is it's that it's addressing the energy of anger. So it's flowing through and when you're resting, you're repairing any leftover aggravation from the day and then lungs is grief, right? So if you're finding that you're feeling very stagnant in your life, life is boring, it's not good, the practice of waking up around five in the morning could really be good medicine. Um, and this is not a prescription. It's just something that I've noticed in my years and years of being <clears throat> a medicine witch and a holistic practitioner. So sleep is one of the elements. Um, I personally, again, love good coffee in the morning. For some people, it might be tea. For some people, it might be a protein shake. Um, whatever is going to break your fast, breakfast, right? Breakfast <laughs> kind of thing of having slept. And so you have like a, a, within the first hour of waking up, you have a ritual, whatever that is. Uh, wake up, <clears throat> shower, wake up, brush teeth, wake up, do a 10 minute mantra, uh, wake up and have sex for those who are lucky enough to do so <laughs> with a loving partner. Um, and not under duress, <laughs> so, excuse me, so that first hour of morning ritual, and then I think an element that I really, the experience I want to have is having, like, good food throughout the day, right, really in enjoying what I'm eating, um, as opposed to convenience eating, do you know that does the difference, the distinct, do you know the distinction between the two? Good food and convenience eating? Mm -hmm. I mean, when you say convenience eating, it reminds me of a convenience store. Mm -hmm. So it's food that you can just readily grab. Uh, that's probably you know, not good food. Mm -hmm. It's not whole fruits and vegetables, proteins, complex carbs. Mm -hmm. There's, and there's a, um, the book Atomic Habits and The Slight Edge really talk about how the compound effective things, which is that, you know, if you have a lot of friction in eating well, like if your house is packed with Oreos and sugary cereal, that is what you're going to um, end up eating. But if you put like oats in your house and you don't even have to meal prep, it's just you want to lower the barrier, lower the friction to to what's actually around and what you'll grab. Because I, I went to Costco and bought a bunch of oranges and grapefruits because I was like, I know that I want to cleanse my body and have those things available. So it's it can be minimum prep, an hour of like, what's my grocery list? But that little habit, that tiny habit, will absolutely shift the trajectory of the experiences you're having if you are constantly ingesting high sugar versus food that's truly nutritious. So ex daily experiences, sleep, morning ritual, 
that can be getting kids to school as well, good food, um, a generative conversation where you feel validated, right? For some people, they can call their mother and have a good conversation. For the rest of us, we're like, fuck that, no. <laughs> I can't even with my mom. <laughs> like, I don't even, you know, it might be a friend. Um, if nothing else, something like listening to uh, Tom Blue's podcast or Brene Brown or any of the people that are sort of researchers in the psychosocial area can be something that helps spur inspiration in your brain or a podcast such as this <laughs> would be good one just came to my mind and it's music yeah i that's my morning ritual is that we can put on music i love that so it kind of sets my mood for the day on the way to the beach today we were vibing hard to like dead kennedys and um dropkick murphy's like that kind of like just getting super hyped before we head out and just like chill <laughs> so music is absolutely um a huge part of it and and in the polyvagal nerve theory uh you know the vagus nerve helps regulate rest and digest and so many different um em emotional responses and again i encourage people to google it and just we'll put a link in the notes but um singing to the music as well singing along actually the reverberation in your throat helps regulate your nervous system so it helps take you out of um, sympathetic which is fight or flight right into parasympathetic mm -hmm. rest and digest attend and befriend be calm so these are daily out these are like daily elements they're so again i love what the slight edge said they're so easy to do they're easy not to do <laughs> yeah you know. Well, I look at it as uh, self-care, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and that's important to me, right? Mm -hmm. So that's something I would say is a necessary element for me is self-care mm -hmm. in whatever form that comes in. Mm -hmm. You know, I make myself a latte every morning. Mm -hmm. That's my gift to myself, mm -hmm. and it makes me happy. Mm -hmm. And I really do have, again, now we're, now we're, circling back to my lifestyle right like these epicurean things my latte in the morning makes me happy it's an element of the experience i want to have for the day mm -hmm. which is this thing that brings me um joy and it's it's uh functional it's a functional thing so we'll go into i think the the more nuanced levels of human dynamics which is functional versus dysfunctional okay so we're done with the compatibility questions mm -hmm. and we're going to go into the functional versus the dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Making so, lots of good notes here. Great. So if you yeah, so if you, you can understand this is compatible for the lifestyle I want to live, check box yes or no. Um, and I'm having the experiences I want to have every day that are, you know, generative to me. And that that's how you can measure compatibility, right? Um, so let's talk about all the shit that's dysfunctional. <laughs> all right. I like how you like to go into the the dysfunctional first. So yeah. let's dive in. Uh, again, I am a fuck up. <laughs> so I am well versed in maladaptive behavior. But I also want to go into it and completely eviscerate any judgment people have about dysfunctional being bad wrong, sinful, evil, any of those things is all it is, is that very early in our lives, we learned a thought pattern or a behavior so that we could survive. We are all animals. We are all on the equal playing field of survival. Um, and we are all in a race for resources. Even Elon Musk needs validation and he could go into depressive states, right? So you can go, he has all the money in the world. And we've heard that story many, many times. So I, I invite the listener to just pause and go, if, if there are things that are dysfunctional, it simply means you're enacting something that helped you survive that no longer fits 
the lifestyle you want to live, right? It's recreating what you knew um, when that ecosystem was true. So let's say you have a neglectful mother, a neglectful parent. And this is my story. I had a, I love my mother. She's passed, she's since passed. Um, but she was full Italian and she was 5'4", 200 pound, like ball of life and everything has a light side and a dark side, but she had a temper. She had such a rageful temper. Like you were scared of Rose <laughs> kind of thing. So my way of adapting to that was to be hyper independent, was to go, I have to be ahead of the game. I have to know it's coming, know the storm's coming, know how to temper crisis. Um, and so what that looks like in my, has looked like in my dating relationships is overperforming for people that were giving the bare minimum. So I, 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 was, I compensate and I have compensated quite a bit in relationship. And that's a dysfunction. That, that does not support a lifestyle where I'm with a loving partner who is emotionally intelligent and able to offer words of affirmation, which is totally how I know that I'm loved, is when someone's like, you're beautiful, and I'm like, thank you for noticing. <laughs> I need a lot. Um, you just mentioned love languages, and that's why I feel like it's a good time to plug for the mm -hmm. listeners to know their own love language. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's an important, I think, relational quality mm -hmm. uh, so that you know right away if this person's compatible or not. Are they speaking your love language? It, also, like, how, how you can also be, because a lot of people go, they're not speaking my love language, but you go, well, how are they an acts of service and that's how they think that they're showing love and they're not really aware that I need words of affirmation, right? So... Um, so it, it's, it's an invitation to a deeper discussion. I, I, I really, as opposed to, again, the bumper sticker world we live in, a lot of people go, if he's not speaking your love language, get out of there. You go, is he able to receive reflection and, and adapt and evolve and grow? Um, well, yeah. I think sometimes we expect people or the other person to read our minds. Mm -hmm or we project what we think that they think mm -hmm. and so in our mind we sort of mind fuck ourselves mm -hmm. into thinking something that's not true at all mm -hmm. uh, and that the mind fuck is exactly what dysfunction is born of right i'm not good enough i'm not lovable i uh am uh I'll never get what I want. Anybody who ever loves me leaves. There's many different um, conclusions <clears throat> that we just uh, arrive at and then keep projecting onto our situation. So as far as as far as dysfunction goes, it's based on a very Freudian concept, which is a gravitation towards pleasure and a resistance to pain. And I just want people to kind of think about what that means a gravitation towards what's pleasurable because I did say the Epicurean lifestyle and metric is is this pleasurable so pleasure is not good or bad <laughs> and then a resistance to pain and people go oh, pain is bad you shouldn't you shouldn't feel pain the the, the, the distinction is your relationship to both if you are not okay when you're in pain if you're like you're it you're this is um very sophisticated work so i encourage people to recall me <laughs> if they don't understand this particular part and reach out but because i have to like guide people how to do this over like months of training but to to drop in to it it's basically that pain is always a teacher as opposed to pain means there's something wrong and I have to fix it. Mm -hmm. Pain is always a teacher and um, pleasure lets us know a little bit about ourselves, mm -hmm. right? As, and 
again, these are very like sophisticated, complicated things. So to go from a place of dysfunction, which is um, rooted in replaying behaviors that helped you survive, that you've outgrown, that don't support the lifestyle you're in, and also um, when you're in that sort of loop, there can be this general, there's a couple things that happen. Comparison happens. You feel like, why am I not, why don't I have X, Y, and Z? And, um, and to move from a place of reaction and dysfunction into what you call alignment and things that are functional for you um, this is am, am I, I don't know if I'm being too complicated but I'm really trying to like I said break down this sort of uh, complex formula and say that people who they go I like smoking and I like drinking and I like cocaine and heroin makes me chill and um, sex with multiple partners is fun and it's my sexual expression and this is how I see myself and um, substances or uh, high-stake relationships or risk-taking like climbing or jumping out of planes or or any of those things um, are healthy in balance. If you get a surgery, you need opiates to be able to recover. If you have a heartbreak, opiates are not the right medicine. <laughs> right. Am I making a, a yeah. distinction? Yes. Make sense? So the relationship to pleasure, the relationship to pain, um, understanding how to dose yourself appropriately. Uh, let's say you have a contentious relationship with your mother, but you really care about family. So seeing her once a year for Christmas is the appropriate dose. <laughs> um, more than that, it will send you into an emotional tailspin <laughs> or something like that. If you're in a um, marriage where you feel like it continues to be um, like the like the thing I described, someone's working very hard, the other person doesn't feel like they're getting enough attention, um, and, and one person is often the champion of communication in the relationship. Um, they're trying to bridge the gap. They're the ones who are like, let's go to therapy. Let's listen to this podcast. Hey, I just found this YouTube. <laughs> Please watch it. Here's this pamphlet, you know, and the other person is like, I've got this. I'm fine. I don't need to learn anything else. Then, then oftentimes what happens is people, out, one person outgrows that relationship. There's, there's not an appropriate um, dose of communication for both parties. There's a, there's a stagnation and an evolution going on. So there are multiple scenarios I could speak about uh, dysfunction in, and I think I'm inviting the listener to do a self audit here and go, yeah, where, where in my life is it feel out of balance, maladaptive, like I keep reaching for alcohol when I get off work because I had a stressful day, as opposed to maybe taking a salt bath and, um, or going for a, a walk, or I can afford to be a pet owner and ha have a joy of a pet or something like that. So, um, so human dynamics to go the top down, just to do a quick review are based on your lifestyle, your day-to-day -day habits, and then being able to take things that are dysfunctional and learn from the pain of them, really go, okay, I need to enact new behaviors. And that's how you take things that are dysfunctional and turn them into things that are functional, is your habits, thoughts, and behaviors. 
I love it. Enacting new behaviors, thoughts, mm -hmm. and habits, thoughts, and behaviors. Habits, yeah. Lost my train for a moment. Yeah. So I'm gonna put you on the spot again um, in regards to if you've had something in your life that has been dysfunctional and then you really were able to, oh, is that me? That's Sorry. Okay. Um, uh, if you, things that were dysfunctional and then you said, you know, I need to take a course correction here to be able to come into things that make me feel good again, to, to revisit the lifestyle that I want to live. Do you have a Oh my goodness, where can I start? You know, that's sort of what propelled me on my self journey and, okay. and gotten to me where I am today. Mm. Um, I mean, I could probably rewind six and a half years ago and um, I was unhappy, mm. you know, and it wasn't, it, it wasn't that I was depressed. Mm -hmm. It, you know, it wasn't that I was ungrateful. And I realized through my self-work I was unfulfilled. And so then I started this journey of like what makes me happy in my soul mm -hmm. and then living congruently with my soul and mm -hmm. feeding my soul and how do I take good care of me, mm -hmm. which you know could lead us down into the rabbit hole. And it's one of my soapboxes for women is like taking care of self first. Mm -hmm. That's what they hear me talk about that a lot on this podcast about how important that is mm -hmm. and that's something that I self-sacrifice a lot was my own happiness my own needs uh, my own self-care mm -hmm. and, and that not that I didn't take showers mm -hmm. but self-care as in um, you know behaviors thoughts habits mm -hmm. um, can definitely start to to be negative or dysfunctional so yeah I, I think about that like one good cup of coffee, cool, I'm great. Two, I'm a basket case, right? At, like a good glass of wine occasionally with good company, fine. But a whole bottle, probably not, right? And and these, these are, it's funny, I have a friend who's in active addiction and he goes, I know my limits. And I go, that's such a framework. Someone said, how do you stop being a smoker? And I was like, how? You, you tell yourself, I'm not a smoker. It's no longer an identity. It's not like a metric of I'm okay because I know my limits. It's like your, your focus is completely on have I participated in behaviors that make me feel healthy, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically healthy. So let's talk about this is really, I think, the code, one of the major codes of of feeling like I love what you said fulfilled and happy and connected um, like your life doesn't have to mean anything it doesn't <laughs> have to have this I, I think there I, I want to give people the relief that we live in a culture that um, deifies celebrity right deifies like the Met Gala uh, politicians um, the Michael Jordans of the world. He was a dick. <laughs> you know, he was hardworking, but he was kind of a jerk to be around. Scotty Pippen was the one that was the real peacekeeper. And Phil Jackson was the one who brought like Native American practices to the team. And, but yet we look at Michael, right? So I think that's the first thing is, is, uh, is putting down any sense that I have to make a huge impact in, in, the world and have this like epic legacy or anything like that by virtue of living an ethical life you'll have impacted the person that matters the most which is your um yourself like your body yourself but also your family uh and your friends your community uh, that to me is just the sweetest thing is when you see people's quality of life be a little bit better because of the conversation they had with you or 
that you were able to listen, um, which is huge. <laughs> Just the ability to, to pause and give people space to work out all that chatter that's in their head. So to be in, yeah, to be in a functional space is really like knowing your values and, and your ethics. And um, one of the ones that I like to impart to people is ask permission and get consent. Um, there's a very popular trend of people being offended. <laughs> I'm shaking my head yes over here. You can't see it, but yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's a thing. Yeah, I, I think um, the, the South especially has sort of cornered the market. <laughs> no, I think it's everywhere. And <laughs> I, I've thought about this a lot because people are so angry. They're so quick to anger mm -hmm. or to be offended or to take something the wrong way. And, you know, just with everything going on in the world, um, I, I try to to figure out why. Mm. Why is everyone so angry? You know, like, um, mm -hmm. just was walking to downtown to an event, mm -hmm. and there was a car that cut through the post office parking lot. Mm -hmm. And a postal employee, a female, was yelling at the car. Mm. Verbally yelling so loudly, I turned my head, like, what is going on? And she was upset that this car cut through the parking lot. Mm. And they were just trying to find a parking spot. Mm -hmm. And they actually happened to be going to the same event that I was. Mm -hmm. But I laughed to myself because I was like, why is mm. she so upset? Like, why does that bother her so much that she's angry, quick to anger over that? Oh, I have, a, I have a very sophisticated answer. Oh, let me hear your theory. <laughs> very so um, I believe it's the book Power Versus Force, where um, it's David Hawking's work. Mm -hmm. I can go back and fact check that. He created the scale of consciousness. Yes, um, that is him. I yeah. I think it's Hawkins. Hawkins, okay. Yeah. And anger is... Uh, so there, the energy that's closest to death mm -hmm. is shame. Mm -hmm. Above shame is guilt. Mm -hmm. Above guilt is apathy. Um, above apathy is grief. And then above grief is anger. So it is a very, it's an activation energy, meaning I feel like I'm going to die. But to keep myself going, it's like the, it's basically the generator energy. Like all the lights have gone off. There's no more electricity. Now I have to be angry to be able to negotiate this thing that uh, I feel threatened by, right? So <laughs> that's what I mean by an ethic of asking permission and getting consent is not expecting that the world owes you anything. It doesn't. Um, your high, your your reality is created uh, through cooperative components, meaning your again your innerverse, your outerverse. So I want to kind of bring this down into like a practical lifespan conversation because the the formula, if I'm going to distill it down to people, is really. Um, having a sense of what brings you joy. Like I, I don't ever want to do accounting, but some people love it. They love spreadsheets. They love color coding things. I defer my taxes every year. <laughs> I hate it. Right? It's not my, I'm very a uh, right brain spatial person, not a left brain person. And you'll learn that about yourself. You'll learn your neurochemistry, right brain versus le left brain, circadian rhythms, what your body needs to feel optimal. Um, and, and that's going to be a trial and error kind of thing. The ecosystem you create for yourself, meaning who, where you live, the friends you have, the geography you're in, living in Boulder, Colorado with a very dry climate is way different than living in North Carolina <laughs> kind of thing. There's just, 
your body, you know, as far as monitoring your heat. There's so so there's an interplay between your biology and your psychology. Mind body is really the headline for this. How do I create a life that I feel best living in? My best life formula is do you have a full grasp on your mind? Do you have a full grasp on your body? Do you understand how they're interacting every day, all day, throughout the day? That's, that's the sort of anchor of who you'll let in your life, what experiences you'll have, the dynamics of everything. Yeah, so you, you mentioned the codes of feeling fulfilled, happy, and connected. Mm -hmm. So having a sense of what brings you joy, mm -hmm. um, the ecosystem you create for yourself, mm -hmm. and then knowing your biology and your psychology. Mm -hmm. And having, yeah, just having a basic understanding of neuropsychology nothing massive right get on YouTube watch a 15-minute video they'll give you the rundown of um, how the brain works <laughs> and a lot of people there they if they don't know that they think I'm crazy I'm anxious I was like no that's literally your brain reacting to the environment where there's something new there it's unfamiliar so you're you're feeling more anxious you're feeling threatened um, if you have somebody in your life for a long time, you, your bi biology adapts to that person. If they leave your life, your biology is like, oh no, <laughs> like I have to create a new neural pathway. Yeah. And it, it just takes the, I don't know, the judgment for me, it always, neuropsych always takes the judgment out of things. I go, you exist in a body. That's what, that's the primary relationship you're going to have from here until it's dead, until you transcend and uh, cross the rainbow bridge. <laughs> yes. you, know? Well, you know who does a really good job of uh, explaining neuropsychology is Joe Dispenza. Mm -hmm. and so one of my favorite books, and I, I recommend this to, to everyone I meet, it's called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Mm -hmm. So you can start with that book, and he I just love how he explains neuroscience. It's just so fascinating to me and helped me understand a lot about my mind and my thoughts and um, how to let things go and, and, and meditate. So that's my suggestion for a good place to start. So, I mean, as we wrap up our conversation today, because I think I really hit so many points and I invite people to listen to this uh, um, a couple times and see what stands out um, for you, what really resonates. But the uh, the kind of piece that I want to end with is that you have to be willing to learn. You can't think that you know. You can't think you have it figured out. It's to revisit the top of the conversation. I'm a fuck up. Just this, this sort of humility versus hubris of just like there's, there's so much for me to learn and I'm going to continue to invest in my learning so that I can, and, and that's where I am at 42. I definitely can learn investments and how to do that. And do I want to buy a house? Do I want to live in an RV? Like how everything has, everything is an equation that can be solved. Are you willing to learn the math? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good analogy. Mm -hmm. So that's what I want to leave people. Well, with. this was a, a beautiful podcast episode and I hope that our listeners you enjoyed it just as much as I did. Uh, you know, I always ask my guests their best advice for listeners. And if you could wrap it up for them nicely, what would you say your best advice is? Mm. By this conversation at the beach today is that death is your ally. It sits on your left shoulder and it can tap you at any time. So it teaches you how to really live. Mm -hmm. You can go at any moment. And um, not and and to to lean into that when you wake up and say this day is uh, my day to be happy. Love. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't thank you enough for making time to spend with us today. I know you're going to move soon, but how can listeners connect with you? I know you do a lot of 
of work uh, individually and with couples, mm -hmm. um, this is a great time to let everyone know how to get in touch with you. So there's, it depends on the type of work you want, but my uh, relationship coaching practice is Rebecca Freedom. So that's R-E-B-E-K-A-H, Freedom. And my website's RebeccaFreedom.com. I also uh, am a medical intuitive and psychic. I have had intuitive abilities since birth, and they have just developed over time. So more of the... Um, I guess the distinction between the two is that Rebecca Freedom, I work with people for between three to six months. It's really like that educational process. But if someone just has a problem that they're just like, I just want some insight to this, that's more the medicine witch work is more appropriate to reach out and just get an oracle card reading or an intuitive reading. And um, again, they can reach me at that's medicinewitch.com for that. So. Those are the two ways that I can help people, um, and it's my great joy to be able to do so. Great. Thank you so much again. And uh, all the listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, the best compliment you can give is sharing this episode with someone who you think might enjoy it as well. I want to thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Hourglass Podcast.